0: Season 3, episode 11.1 0.1 dB causes distortion. I've been mastering my Beat Takes by Gratuitous volume 10. There was this one track that was causing me distortion in the chorus. I dropped the song by 0.1 dB and the distortion was gone. And I was good to go. Now, when it comes to a dB, so we just have 1 dB. So, for example, if you go 0.9 dB, that's like 90% of a dB or 0.8. So, I'm talking 0.1 Right? I dropped the song by 0.1 in that limiter and the input gain to the limiter, the distortion was gone and I was happy with the master. Now, when it comes to mastering our music, we still do want to push our music loud because when we hear the term loudness wars, again, there was pushback from the audio community that people were pushing their music too loud and they were wrecking the dynamics of the song. Okay. You got to be careful when you're listening to all these words because people really don't fully understand this terminology and they use it kind of against the industry to you know make their videos more popular they try to make people want to click on their videos so i just want to talk a little bit of history keep it really simple and then we're going to move forward with what i want to talk about in this episode about just 0.1 db was the difference between distortion and no distortion in my track so first of all when it comes to measuring audio there's been a lot of different attempts in the industry over time okay we've had like vu meters we've had peak meters and now it's on to loudness meters and i do think this loudness meter is a nice way to balance your songs from one song to the next because it measures music in a different way from these other types of audio measurement approaches it takes into account how loud frequencies to our ears and so far it's been generally pretty good Now, what I want to say is if you have taken my 10 steps to become an FL Studio Pro course, I showed you how to master a song based off of the loudness teachings at that time, okay? So what was happening was people were pushing their music way too loud. They were destroying the quote-unquote dynamics of the music. But essentially, it was like you're just pushing the music way too loud for loudness, but there's a sweet spot, And then what happened was when these loudness meters came out, people actually were not pushing their master loud enough. They were saying you want to master your music to minus 14 LUFS, integrated. So when we talk about these loudness meters, again, I don't want to get super intense, but we have the momentary, we have the short term, and we have the integrated. And in that course, I was talking to you about minus 14 for that integrated, because that's what all these streaming platforms play your music back at. Because these streaming platforms were telling us that, you know, they are playing back the music at this certain number. So people were thinking, okay, well, I'm going to master my music to that same volume, but you have to understand that when it comes to mastering your track, there is a sweet spot. And when we are pushing our music a little bit louder, we are getting the benefit of making our song more cohesive. When we're driving it into that compressor a little bit harder, we are reducing the peaks. We are making the song overall more energetic the sounds that were quieter they they are now louder it's more cohesive even if that compressor is pumping just a little bit that can also add to the music as well so again you got to be careful what you're listening to out there there is that saying you know if it sounds good it is good i don't really like to use that that saying i just like to say that when we're mastering our music be very careful in following the trends These loudness meters, I think are good. I think they're very powerful. But again, in recent years, I've been using the short term, but I was just kind of repeating what I was reading and what I was watching about mastering your music to the integrated loudness. The whole goal here is that when someone listens to your music, that the song is sounding balanced. And if you don't master your music loud enough, it doesn't matter where your music's being listened to. That actual audio file is what your music is. So if the streaming platform turns your music down, all they're doing is just turning it down like on a volume slider, but you as the listener, you can turn it back up. So if the actual audio file is not mastered well, you know, if it's not pushed loud enough, then it's not going to be energetic. If it's pushed too loud, you know, you're going to be causing distortion or it's just going to sound just loud and not musical. So, but there is a sweet spot. I want to talk about more specifically what I want to get at in this episode, and before we do that, just check out the website, it's gratuitous.com. I did a revamp, so you guys can check it out. Uh, it's a little bit faster now, so I'm a little happier with the speed before it was even slower, and uh, when I talk to you guys about audio plugins, one thing about websites when it comes to plugins is if you have bad plugins... They can actually slow down your website. So I was going through all the different plugins. I have about 50 plugins on the website because there's so many different things that you as the user are able to do on the website and you need plugins to do that. So anyways, it's gratuitous.com. You can check out the new layout. It's a little bit quicker. I'm happier with it. We're going to start moving forward now with new content. All right. So what I want to talk about in this episode is myself as the producer I like to work lazy. In other words, I like to set things up once, send my audio through it, and it's good to go. I am not a mastering engineer. Mastering engineers would probably do a little bit more creative things to fix the problem, and I'll give you an example of that in a second. But what I'm trying to say is, when I'm mastering my music, I usually like to set my compressor up, whatever, for the song, and it's done. I don't want to do automation, or anything like that in my mastering stage, I just like to send my audio through it. Then what was happening is, see every single song is unique and it follows a pattern. Okay. So it doesn't matter what song it is. Every song is unique and they all follow a pattern. For example, if you hit play and that unique song has an intro verse one chorus, it's always going to be intro verse one chorus because that's how the song is. So when you hit play, Your audio and your audio meters are always going to be the same and each song you have to work off of each song uniquely. But usually each song has a louder part than anywhere else in that song and that typically happens at the very, very first beat of the chorus. So for example, you have the intro, it goes to the verse and then boom, the chorus comes in and that's where the distortion can happen. And that's what was happening to me on this one track. So I liked the master throughout the whole song. It sounded super, super balanced. I was happy with it. And then all of a sudden the chorus came in and I was like, oh, I hear a little bit of distortion and I'm just like, but I, but I like the master. So I was like, hmm, there's two options I could probably do here. One, I could reduce the volume just by a little bit going into that limiter. So I don't hear the distortion. And that was the solution I did made it really, really simple. That was good to go. If I was a mastering engineer, maybe I would have automated the volume going into that limiter on the input. So again, not on the output, because that means it's already distorted. The input is what's going into that limiter. So if we were to reduce the volume going into the limiter, then we wouldn't get the distortion because we are sending less audio into it. So only on that very, very first beat going into that course, maybe I could have automated the volume. And as a listener, you probably wouldn't have heard a difference because you just don't hear the distortion now. And then it goes right back into regular audio. But again, as a beat maker, I usually like to keep things really, really simple. I make the beat. I will mix the beat. You know, each sound will will be processed in its own way, get sent to the master. I set up my mastering chain. I want to send my audio through it. If I'm happy with the settings, we're good to go. I export it and then it can be released. But a mastering engineer will definitely look at that song much different than I would because for me, I just want to get it out there and I want it sounding half decent, but good enough to release where the average person really won't hear the difference if it's a really, really good master or just like an okay master. i reduced the song by 0.1 decibel. So again, if we have one decibel, then there's 0.9, which is 90% of one decibel. And we have like 0.8, like I'm talking 0.1. So a tenth of a decibel. I reduced my master, so the input going into the limiter, and it fixed the distortion problem. It was good to go. When I talked to you in a previous episode about harsh and pleasing speakers, one thing to also mention is when we're listening through harsh speakers, you may hear distortion on harsh speakers, and then you go to pleasing speakers, and you probably won't hear that same distortion. But... If you're hearing distortion on pleasing speakers, that is a big problem, okay? So I was hearing distortion on pleasing speakers, so I was like, okay, I'm going to keep reducing that volume until I'm not hearing the distortion. I didn't hear it, and I'm, you know, I'm happy with that master now. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how to get a loud master. So here's how it works, okay? In the mixing stage, you can actually be super, super aggressive if you want to be on your individual tracks, If you send that to the master now and you again you do light processing, typically you are going to have a lot of dynamics in your music still, because each track is still unique and different. If you are on the mastering stage and you're getting like eight decibels of gain reduction on your compressor, you know, yes, you're probably going to be quote unquote squashing the music and having no dynamics. But a big problem is again, a lot of people actually aren't pushing their music loud enough and If they are trying to push their music louder, they're not able to because they're actually not mixing hard enough. And what I mean is, for example, if you're mixing your music, you have a piano, you have a guitar, you have a kick drum, you are not compressing these instruments hard enough, or you're not applying enough distortion onto them. Again, you can also do parallel distortion and parallel compression. So you kind of get like the best of both worlds. You can kind of retain some peaks, you know, for quote unquote dynamics, but then your parallel audio signal gives you that fullness. And so if you are not compressing and distorting your music hard enough, you know, your actual individual tracks in the mixing stage, then when it comes to mastering, you're not going to be able to push your music very loud because what's going to happen is you're going to be pushing your music so hard into the limiter and the peaks of these instruments, which you have not controlled very well in mixing are going to be pushing the mastering chain way too hard and you're going to hear that pump in a bad way. If you control your instruments very good in the mixing stage, then when it goes into the mastering, when you have peaks, that's fine, like that's good because you need to have peaks in order to have, you know, life in your music, but the peaks are controlled going into the master. So when you are doing compression, when you are doing limiting, that it's not huge peaks. Like you're not getting minus eight decibels of gain reduction to get the loudness that you're looking for. If you control that in the mixing stage, then it goes into the mastering chain. Then you can master your music very loud. But again, when I say very loud like that, like we don't want to be doing very loud. There's a sweet spot. If your music is too loud, yes, your music's going to sound just loud and just boring. It's just going to sound so static. Your music needs to have some life in it. If you don't push your music loud enough, then all the kind of quiet parts of the song are lacking, like they're missing. And when you push your music hard, what happens is you are driving the compressor, you're driving the limiter, and you are getting pumping. Sometimes pumping can be good in these audio tools because it adds life to your music as well. If you process your music too much in the mastering stage, you can actually bring life back into the music with like transient processors or even on a compressor. If you open up that attack, you are emphasizing the attack of a lot of these sounds again. So that last part was a little off topic, but what I'm trying to say is first of all, in order to get a loud master, it starts in the mixing stage and you have to be aggressive To control the peaks of your audio. Then, when it goes into the mastering stage, then you'll be able to get a nice sweet spot of loudness where you actually have control and thinking, do you know what? I'm actually pushing this too loud because sometimes you can actually push your music really loud and you're actually able to because you've mixed it so hard, if that makes sense. But then sometimes you might be like, okay, do you know what? I'm going to pull it back a little bit now. And so, what was happening was I mixed the music pretty hard. I was listening back to it and when that chorus came in, because again, if we have the intro or verse one or verse two, these are not the loudest parts of the song. So typically we're not going to hear the distortion in those quieter parts of the song. We are going to hear the distortion when it comes to the loud part of the song, such as in the chorus. And most typically it's because when that chorus drops. So what happens is again, we go intro verse one. And then as we're building up to the chorus, sometimes you can remove the audio. So in other words, your compressor and your limiter are no longer working at this moment. As soon as that chorus drops, where that first beat comes in, like with the kick drum, your compressor and your limiter, they all have to quickly react. And that's where just like a distortion can really happen quick because what you'll notice is when that chorus continues to play, you're not hearing the distortion anymore. Many times it's just as soon as that chorus comes in, boom, that's when all your audio plugins almost can't react fast enough and that's where you get the distortion. So what I'm trying to say is in this one track, I reduced the audio by 0.1 decibel. I didn't hear the distortion anymore. I was able to get the loudness I wanted. I was like, perfect. Because again, I like to set it up where I just send the audio in That's my master. I can export it. I'm good to go. All right, so that's this episode on 0.1 dB can cause distortion in the mastering stage. It might sound obvious, but hey, I was just working on a track. I reduced it by 0.1 dB and that was the difference between hearing the distortion and not. And another thing that makes it really tricky is again, when you're working on a beat tape or an album and you're trying to get each song to be a similar loudness one to the next, it even gets more tricky because if all the songs are already balanced in terms of very similar in volume now, you know, it's really hard if you just adjust one song here and there, but yeah, like I said, 0.1 DB and that was the difference. So again, I'd also just wanted to talk about that again, when it came to, you know, uh, let's say in the two thousands, people were mastering their music very, very loud. It got to the point where they were actually destroying audio because it was just way too loud. these, loudness standards came out. People actually weren't mastering their music loud enough. Okay. And again, in the 10 steps to become an FL Studio Pro, I shared that with you. I taught you off of the integrated loudness. But again, nowadays, I'm just using the short-term loudness. And honestly, probably around minus 10 to minus nine is kind of like the sweet spot. And if you can't push your music that loud, that is telling you that you're probably not working hard enough in your mixing stage in other words you know you're probably not compressing hard enough maybe you're not distorting hard enough because that is kind of like the sweet spot i've been finding for just cohesiveness in that song All right every track is different every genre is different but i'm talking more for like kind of hip-hop and dance beats um that minus 10 to that minus 9 short-term lufs Again, that is just at the moment of today's standards, Um, but that is where I'm finding that the music still has a lot of life to it, a lot of quote-unquote dynamics because I'm not pushing the music super, super hard, but I am pushing it hard, but I am feeling that the song is balanced and it kind of sounds polished. Nothing's really uh, spiking out weird and I'm hearing pretty much all elements of the song And I'm really happy with this release so far. Again, I just have one beat to work on and I may be doing a live stream here tomorrow. I'll see how it goes. So if you're on the newsletter, um, I'll I'll send out an email to you guys. And uh, what I want to do is I just want to mix that track. One thing I want to say before closing out here is in this audio world, being a beat maker, the MIDI notes are your copyright. And so I'm always very careful in sharing my notes because... Hey, people copy in this industry all the time and that's stealing, right? And something in this audio industry, like that's very unique to the audio industry. If we're talking about other industries, like let's say you wanna watch someone stream a video game, you can't really steal anything from them. Like sure, like they might have a unique way of doing something. Yeah, that's just their playing style, but that's just a video game and you're able to watch them. What makes the audio industry very unique in when you're a beat maker is copyright to your MIDI notes. If I shared my MIDI notes all the time in the live streams and stuff, people would actually just copy those notes and they would make their beats and they'd think that they're actually learning. And not just that, what if they start selling the music and they've copied my notes? Okay, so to me, that's where I'm very careful and I only share my MIDI notes in courses Or if I do in tutorials, it's very, very simple kind of melodies. Because I've worked really, really hard to learn the piano, worked very, very hard to learn my melodies. But what I want to say is if I were to do a live stream of mixing, see, every beat's different. And if I set up my different parameters for this track, every track is different. So it's like, it's very hard to copy in the mixing stuff. And so if I were to do a live stream with the mixing, you know, people, even if they copy, it's every beat's different. But whereas let's say we had the MIDI notes and let's say it was a beautiful melody. Someone could literally just take those MIDI notes, copy it, change up their own sound. That's where it's very tricky with the audio industry when it comes to education, because I want to help you guys. I want to educate. I want to teach, but I've just been thinking lately, like, how can I educate? How can I teach you guys without people stealing? And If you're there thinking, well, no, people aren't going to steal. Yes, they do. They do all the time because see, this is, this is what happens in the audio industry. People copy and they make their beats and they think that they're a beat maker because they're comfortable in what they know only to a certain extent, but they can't really break free from what they're comfortable in. And so for myself, I make tons of different styles of beats, right? Dance, hip hop, And I honestly never feel restricted or beat block because I've practiced so hard these melodies. And so people, they'll steal and copy because they have not put the time in to learn. And that's where, you know, copying comes in. And my goal for you is so that you can learn to enjoy beat making because once you can learn it, I'm telling you, it is so much fun. You play the keys, you play over a drum loop, It is so enjoyable. And just because somebody can improvise on a piano or just because someone can play the piano well doesn't mean that they're actually able to create catchy melodies, right? That's another thing that you got to be careful of and what's deceiving. Catchy melodies are very hard to make. And once you can train yourself to create a catchy melody and then also create melodies that go together with that main melody, that's where you want to get. And you want to be able to do that without having to watch other people's YouTube videos or, or even my courses. Like the thing is, I don't want you watching my courses forever. I want you to get in there. I want you to learn what's going on. Then I want you to break free and be able to enjoy what you're doing because there's not enough time to make beats, to watch videos, to make beats, to watch videos. Like if like that's all you're going to be doing, I want you to be able to enjoy your life Still do whatever you want to do. And then when you come to make your beats, you know what you're doing. You don't have to find inspiration from out anywhere else. Because if you do that, you're never going to be your own self as a producer. All right. And I'm telling you, in this music industry, people are copying all the time. I encourage you to visit my website. It's gratuitous.com forward slash music. You can check out all of my beat tapes. You're able to download them. Okay, this is a free download link. You don't have to sign up with your email or anything. And just check out some of the beats. Like they're just so unique. They're so different. And that's just because I'm not following the trends. I just like to do my own thing. And you have to understand that in this industry, if you want things to sell, if you want to build momentum, you're going to have to copy the trends, right? But for me, I would not enjoy making music if I had to follow the trends. What makes music so much fun is just, creating a catchy beat which is so unique from anything you've heard before but it still sounds really powerful and catchy and that's what makes beat making so much fun for myself Um, and i really think that if you are not making beats that way eventually you're going to get bored and it's not going to be fun because what happens is if you start entering the music business and you start making money what happens is you start focusing more on the money rather than enjoying music and for me it's like I always want to I always want to keep time for music I always want to keep time because it's so much fun and then when I do educate one I'm fresh you know if, if you want to follow a video or whatever it's like yeah I've been making beats for a while so whenever I make a beat it's like I'm still fresh it's not like you know oh yeah I made beats like seven years ago and I'm still doing training but I'm not active so anyways visit the website it's in the top bar you will see newsletter you can sign up right you guys can be notified of new podcasts new blog posts i'll be coming out with a lot of cool things here soon website's now organized i want to come up with some piano training for you guys some drum loop training and if you guys ever need help learning to make beats again just visit me over at it's and i'm just an email away